Why, hello, everybody. Hello, world. Hello, Frederick News Post FNP podcast listeners. And hello to the most important person right now, Danielle E. Gaines in Annapolis. How are you? Hi, Colin. I'm good. Thank you for that. <laughs> my, my friend, Danielle. Is the weather okay in Annapolis? Uh, the weather's nice, yeah. No coat today. The weather's nice. I've... I've actually spent the last week catching up and listening back to some of these podcasts that Mm -hmm. we've recorded, and I've utterly realized that you sound brilliant and I sound stupid every (laughs) single week. (laughs) So I don't know if that's true, but you have really gotten into politics over these last few weeks, I feel like. Like, you're really digging it. I am. I am really digging it. And the, the, the value in listening back, too, is it reminds me about some of these things. Like, for instance... What I want to talk about first today, good segue, see, I'm trying to be better. All right, all right. (laughs) Uh, I thought it'd be best to start with perhaps uh, one of the biggest events of each session is crossover day. Oh, yeah, crossover day. Dun, dun, dun. Crossover day. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, we don't have theme music for crossover day, but we were were hoping to get it. It wasn't in the budget this year. so a lot of stuff happened and we've been kind of building this up for the last few weeks. So I'm kind of, you, you wrote uh, a story going into a lot of different, a uh, lot of different bills. Can you give us some highlights from crossover day? Sure. Yeah. So crossover day is, is pretty important. Um, for the most part, your rank and file bills by your average delegates and senators need to have passed over to the other chamber by the 70th day of session. Um, that's called crossover day. This uh, year, crossover day was on Monday. And mm-hmm. um, what happens is when you cross over by the 70th day, you are guaranteed to have a bill hearing in the opposite chamber. Um, if you cross over on the 71st day, you have to, your bill goes to, you know, the rules committee. So the house rules committee or the Senate rules committee. And then that committee first gets to look at your bill, decide if it's good enough and then pass it on to the committee, which will then decide if they're going to set you a bill hearing or not. So passing by the 70th day is really great and important. Um, and Wait a second, if I can't, the, sure. the sp- passing by the 70th day and that must mean then we only have 20 days left that's correct yeah so um there are a few things that happen over crossover day that are that are kind of fun so just by way of background before we talk about regular bills i guess um they have a lot a lot of sessions because it really is a priority of the leadership to get as many bills through before crossover day as they can so there were um you know morning sessions and then night sessions and weekend sessions and um you know monday there were multiple sessions in the chambers and i think the house went until like 10 30 at night it was kind of late um and the way that they're able to do that is there's this fun kind of trick of the calendar where there's a difference between the calendar day and the legislative day. So on a calendar Uh day, say March 17th, last Friday, you could actually live two different legislative days. So on March 17th, it was perhaps March 14th and then March 15th. And then on March 18th, when they came in, it was perhaps March 16th. And you kind of build these extra days in, and they'll do this again at the end of the session as well. Um, because the rules wow. generally state that bills, um, you know, pass second reader on one day, and then the following day they're available to be considered on third reader, which is final passage. So if you're able to kind of do 
one bill twice in two days, it technically, one bill twice in one day, it technically has to be two different days. Uh Uh-huh. So. That sounds confusing. (laughs) (laughs) It's very fun. Um, (laughs) But there were a lot of um, bills that, by local lawmakers, that did get passed, and so... um, I wrote about I wrote about a few of them this week. Is there anything yes. that you like the most that you want to talk about? I, well, I I did go through these, uh, and I wanted to, of course, you you saved this for last, but this was one that we <laughs> talked about before, yes. and you know where I'm going with this, I would assume. Um, yes, this was the, driver the most fun yeah. debate. <laughs> if anybody you said you know, has a few minutes, I think about 10, and they want to just hang out and listen to the General Assembly, Um, you should go and listen to the last session from Monday night, listen to about the last 20 minutes, because in there, there's about a 10-minute debate over Delegate Bill Folden's left lane bill, which Colin supports, I believe. (laughs) Yes, very much so. And I love the final (laughs) sentence of your story is, after a spirited debate yes. the bill passed seventy three sixty six, dividing the right and the left i don't even i don't know how this would be a partisan issue it's just a matter of driving in the correct lane people how did this become so political <laughs> there were all i mean let's let's pick what you could complain about driving and all of them came up during this <laughs> debate my mother-in-law <laughs> drives awful i hate people who drive slow in the left lane i live in montgomery county and there's too much traffic I live out in the country and we want to be able to pass, have a left lane bill for only two lane roads instead of three lane roads because we have more two lane roads and people drive slow in our left lane. And they all came up and they all got debated. It was the last (laughs) bill of the last session of, you know, the last meeting before crossover day. And what is, you know... um, not a complicated bill, certainly. They weren't arguing like the finer points of policy, um, but <laughs> everyone felt the need to get up and stand up. Um, at one point, Speaker <laughs> Bush was, was in the microphone was like, are we really doing this? And yes, indeed, they were. <laughs> um, so he started calling Delegate Folden, left lane Folden, <laughs> um, and it did pass. It probably is not going to pass out of the Senate. Really? Why not? It hasn't passed out of the Senate in recent bills and recent years. Mm. Um, it is a bill that's been pushed by other lawmakers year after year before, um, you know, Delegate Folden decided to to take it as his own and, and try to get it through. Um, it, it's made it out of the House before. It has never made it out of the Senate. That's a shame. There are a lot of safety concerns. I mean, these go to the transportation, the committees that deal mostly with transportation. And you have to think about, you know, they're hearing testimony on like a seatbelt safety bill, for instance. And they're hearing about the pounds of force and people being tossed out of vehicles and really scary, scary traffic incidents. And so they hear that. And then they also hear a left lane bill. And some people might be thinking, well, that just encourages people to drive faster. And we've heard about how bad crashes can be, even at low speeds. I'm not saying that's necessarily sure. the reason, but um, it, it does go to the committees that are like the most familiar with, with traffic and traffic safety issues. Hmm. I still think you should be prosecuted to the upteenth <laughs> degree if you're going 55 miles an hour in the left lane. Uh, There's one other thing I wanted to bring up about crossover day. It was a bill originally introduced by County Executive Jan Gardner, and it was regarding campaign finance rules that apply to her post in the county council. 
Um, they would also apply to Frederick County Planning Commission members. Uh, Michael Huff had something to say about this. Where where does that where did that go? Right. So this is a bill that would take um, cam- a campaign finance prohibition. Um, that applies to land use decisions in the county. It currently Mm -hmm. applies to members of the county council and the county executive. And the bill would have extended that to uh, also apply to members of the planning commission who were seeking elected office. That's because the planning Mm -hmm. commission votes on those same issues, land use issues, before they come to the county council. The planning commission's decision, of course, is advisory, but the county council many times takes the planning commission's decision uh, holds it in a very high regard when they're trying to make their final point so the purpose Mm -hmm. of the bill was to take the take any potential monetary influence out of that planning commission level as well senator huff and others Uh. pointed out that the bill didn't quite go as far as they would like they didn't like the fact that it does only apply to land use decisions perhaps it should apply to all decisions that politicians should be uh, you know, more careful about accepting money um, when there's something pending before them that they could potentially vote on. Um, in the General Assembly during the 90 days down here, lawmakers are not allowed to accept campaign donations. When you get back to the county, you know, it's it's not a 90-day session. They're meeting all year round. So there was mm-hmm. the potential for monetary influence in the, in the eyes of some members of the delegation. So they obviously, um, as you know, passed a much more sweeping version of an ethics reform bill that ran into problems Mm -hmm. as well there were some questions about constitutionality um and Mm -hmm. in kind of a a right to have speech through your campaign donations um and Mm -hmm. so that bill that bill and the county executives bill mostly probably because of the infighting within the own frederick county delegation neither of them moved forward before crossover day and they are very unlikely to have some sort of miraculous rebirth after the 70th day were there any surprises coming out of crossover day this year um there are some bills that have been moving very quickly that were that were a bit of a surprise um you know there's a bill that would ban fracking in the state of maryland um there was a big debate and we've talked about it um before where whether or not lawmakers would uh, support a ban on fracking or whether they would support another moratorium. The moratorium that we're currently under is scheduled to expire um, this summer. So the question always kind of hinged on where Governor Hogan stood. Um, mm-hmm. Lawmakers would say that they didn't support the fracking ban because they didn't think that a ban bill had a veto-proof majority, but that a moratorium mm-hmm. bill would have a veto-proof majority. Um, the governor came out, uh, I believe on Friday, um, he held a press conference and said that he supports a fracking ban, which kind of cleared the way. Um, by that time, the House had already passed a fracking ban bill, and it was really the Senate where the questions were coming up. And um, mm-hmm. as soon as the governor announced that he would be supporting the ban bill, um, that gave people a lot more um, freedom to kind of decide um, how they would how they would vote on it, and they did ultimately end up voting today um, to pass that bill on its final reader. They passed it actually, or on second reader, I believe. It goes on to third next week. So they the Senate passed that thirty two to fifteen with zero discussion today. So it looks like we're going to have a uh-huh. fracking ban that won't be vetoed in the state of Maryland um, by early next week. There we go, and that's breaking news. That's up to the minute. <laughs> That is <laughs> dogged, dogged reporting there. 
you Thank gotta you. live that there were also big um bills that did crossover before crossover day that will have a statewide impact um there's one of the bills is the maryland trust act um mm-hmm. that has been passed through the house it's now before a senate committee and i spoke with um the Senate committee chairman today, and he said that there won't be a separate hearing on that um, in the Senate committee, but that they are working through both the House version of the bill and the Senate version of the bill. Um, and uh, he couldn't give me an update on a timeline, but that is the um, that's a bill that would apply some some sanctuary type policies, um, sanctuary city, sanctuary state type policies in the state of Maryland. Aha, that's a hot button issue. Um, Governor Hogan does not support that bill. It's very clear, I think, at this point that he will veto that bill. Um, ah. And so we have to kind of wait and see what form it comes out of the Senate committee in to see what level of support that would get in that chamber. Wow. Okay. We've talked a lot about sanctuary cities and sanctuary states on this other podcast called Frederick Uncut. <laughs> have you heard of it? I have. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's a big day. Crossover day is the biggest day, right? It's the biggest day. It's one of, of the year. It's like Christmas. Um, <laughs> it's one of. I mean, Signy Die is very fun, which is the last day of session. The state of the state is very fun and important. Today is Maryland Day, which is very very uh-huh. fun. Everybody's. Dressed. I saw the vests. Yes, yes. So I was going to do that at the end when he asked me my Twitter handle. But if you go on Twitter, you can see one of our local delegates, Left Lane Folden. Uh, on the floor (laughs) (laughs) of the house um, in a Maryland flag vest. He came definitely dressed for the occasion. Yeah, it looks great. It looks fabulous. That's actually a flag. He, uh, we're way off topic, but that's fine. He bought a $19 (laughs) clearance vest from Joseph A. Bank, Maryland Place, Maryland Business. Uh, And then he took that $19 vest and a flag Actually, he bought two vests, one for him and uh, another delegate. He, uh, C.T. Wilson, um, delegates Folden and Wilson are becoming known for dressing like one another. And uh, delegate Folden had the vest made for both of them. However, they did not get to actually wear them on the house floor during the session because it's a violation of dress code. Men must wear jackets on the floor of the House of Delegates. That's that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. You would never get in. Oh, that's un- that's unfair. <laughs> I always wear jackets. I always wear jackets. You do. Um, do you have a tie jo- on usually? You need a tie too. I do. Okay. Uh, well, sometimes. I'm, yes. I Joseph A. Banks sells suits for three for one, and I don't know how they make any money. That's that's my biggest question. That's your bailiwick. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's it. Well done. Well done. Um. Let's move on to the hotel now, because Uh, this was brought up this week. You wrote about this uh, today, actually. This was in today's paper. I believe it was today's paper. And I have another real-time update for you, Colin, on what happened today. This is so fantastic. This is so good. This is the best in session ever today. (laughs) I hope you're listening, people. Downtown Frederick was the center of attention yesterday, Thursday, as Maryland senators debated a $16 million appropriation in the state's capital budget that would benefit a proposed hotel and conference center on East Patrick Street. Senator Michael Huff opposes the project, pulled four amendments uh, relating to its funding out of the budget for a separate vote. In two sets of votes, though, the senators voted 28-15 and 31-16 to support funding for the project. So this is something to talk about here in the fabulous city of Frederick, Maryland, is it not? Yeah, so um, as we've talked about kind of throughout the session, um, 
uh, you know, the, there were two kind of major moments for the downtown hotel and conference center center. Um, and it was going to be one, if it was in the governor's budget, obviously it wasn't at the start of the year. And then it was going to be two, whether or not it gets amended into um, a budget as it passes the floor or whether it gets amended into a budget as it goes to the budget conference committee. Um, in this year, what happened is that the Senate uh, Budget and Taxation Committee, um, who have a number of members who have actually at this point now spoken on the floor in favor of the project, they do support the project moving forward, um, they did ultimately decide to kind of um, reappropriate the $16 million that were there uh, at the end of last year for that project. The, the structure of how that money comes in is a little bit different. Um, it comes in over three fiscal years. It'll be five million, then seven and a half million, and then three and a half million. Um, mm. And um, it, you know they wrote it in. So when it got written in by the committee itself, that means that there was an amendment that came to the floor of the Senate, and obviously that set up a fight um, between Frederick County Senator Michael Huff and Frederick County Senator Ron Young. Uh, Senator Huff opposes the project. Senator Young supports the project. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, there were a couple other people on either side weighing in as well, but it did ultimately pass essentially on party lines, mm. all of the amendments. Uh, and then today, so that was on second reader, yes. what you were talking about today, it came back on third reader, um, on third reading today, Senator Huff. So there's so many rules down here, Colin, and you can basically bend all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you can only amend a Senate bill on second reader in the Senate okay. chamber. In the okay. Senate chamber, you can amend a House bill on second reader or third reader. So what was passing through the uh. Senate was actually the the House bill that had been amended to be the Senate's version of the budget. So it had a House bill number, which meant that it was open for amendments on third third reader. So what happened yesterday is that Senator Huff was trying to take out the amendments that, you know, gave the funding um, to the project in the first place. And then today he um, had a series of amendments, two of them, that would replace that funding. So he had amendments that would, um, the first one would direct the money to education spending and the second one would have directed the money to um, the uh, Frederick Homeless Shelter. And both of those also were voted down. Um, senators stood up and talked, and they said that those are worthy causes, but that they really felt now was the time to support this um, conference center project. So this is, does this, well, this is going to be a far more nuanced question, of course, that you probably won't be able to fully answer, but does this mean that things are looking good for the, for those who want a hotel downtown here in Frederick? Well, so what this means is that the funding goes into the budget. Um, the budget now mm -hmm. is at a stage where it's going to go the capital budget. The capital budget and the operating budget are different. Um, but the capital mm -hmm. budget is now at a stage where it's going to go to a conference committee made up of budget negotiators from the House and the Senate. And they are going to decide whether or not to keep this money in. The conference committees, because they are smaller, have a, there's 10 members, um, there's usually, I think, um, two Republicans. There might be a couple more than that. There may be two or four, but um, Democrats certainly have the majority in those meetings, um, as they do in the General Assembly. Um, and remember, it is a conference committee that put the money in in the first place last year. So it's really kind of sending back to the conference committee the exact same thing that they had put in 
um, a year before. So um, I don't know what its odds are of, of staying in or coming out. It has, um, there are big backers on either side of the issue. And um, it will be very interesting to see how it works out. I, I got a email this afternoon after the floor session um, from the Maryland um, Republican Party, and it is um, attacking Ron Young for for his vote today um, in support of the hotel center. So um, it says, you know, he opposed two amendments to the state budget that would take money away from the downtown hotel project and instead support Waverly Elementary School, which is currently over capacity at 57%, or to support the Frederick Rescue Mission. And then the message says, um, backward, back room deals were cut to include this funding in the first place, which shouldn't be happening. It's unacceptable that Senator Young chose to support a special interest project instead of reducing overcrowding in Frederick County schools. So he's certainly already um, being attacked as far as his reelection campaign would go over this vote. Hmm. What a polarizing issue. You know? It is. And and obviously there are a number of people who support him as well. That kind of goes without saying you live in Frederick, so, you know, (laughs) well, I actually, I, (laughs) I don't live in Frederick, but (laughs) you work in Frederick. (laughs) I I work in Frederick. Yes. Richard Griffin, you have some of his quotes uh, in your story too. Uh, construction would take about 20 months. And he says officials hope to start construction by 2018. That's only nine months away. Well, so that's the real big issue here. So, Here's what's happened. In 2014, there was money that was approved. In 2016, there was money that was approved. And in both times, um, you know, the city, the developer, various partners in the project weren't ready to pull the trigger at the moment that they got state funding. And, you know, that leads to them, you know, losing it and having to fight to get it back again. So Mm -hmm. I think having seen the negotiations and the way that they're going this year, this was a really, really tough pull. It's unclear whether or not it would it would be done again in an election year. Um, So it seems like this is the year that if if it's going to stick, work is going to have to start right away. I guess we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. We have we have no option because that's the biggest story in the history of Frederick, Maryland, since Francis Scott Key. It's the hotel. I have said that before. I will continue to say that. I want to move on to uh, Miss Miss Peters, who's had yes. a rough go of it. We've she talked really about has. this. Uh, like I said, I've been catching up on everything we've we've been doing here, uh, and I did not realize how many weeks we brought up Miss Wendy Peters. Right. I thought, wow. <laughs> so now all of a sudden we're talking about her paycheck what, what's going on with this things took a very interesting turn this week um as you know we we've discussed that secretary peters um is former Monterey town councilwoman Monterey resident member of the governor's cabinet as the planning secretary um she was appointed to that position subject to the advice and consent of the senate this session mm-hmm. and the senate um executive nominations committee you know brought her in for an interview they interviewed her they had a number of concerns about the office and the way that it's running um, under her leadership and the committee did ultimately um, it was only like 11 days ago it seems so much longer but only you know 11 days ago I believe, uh, voted uh, not to recommend her for the position. So in Mm -hmm. Annapolis, you vote things favorably or unfavorably. So the Senate Executive Nominations Committee voted unfavorably on Secretary Peters. 
on the evening that that happened, um, the uh, chairman of the executive nominations committee came back to his desk um, in the Senate chamber to find a letter from Governor Hogan um, indicating that he was pulling his support um, from uh, Wendy Peters. He was withdrawing her as the nominee for that position. And in the ensuing weeks, um, what members of the Senate have found out is that uh, Secretary Peters um, continued to go to work and just operate in her position as normal um, without any sort of apparent change. Mm. Now, um, this leads to a very, very gray area in Maryland constitutional mm. law. Um, the process for setting up your cabinet and for the Senate Executive Nominations Committee is set up through the Constitution, so it's not easily changed to change the Constitution. You have to have a statewide election. Um, mm -hmm. So what, what ended up happening is um, if the Senate votes unfavorable, unfavorably as an entire chamber on a committee, that person ends up um, effectively being fired that right, th right that very second. Ah. Um, uh -huh, and in okay. this case, and in this case, um, the governor withdrew her, so was not able to actually, um, they didn't actually get to vote. And so mm. now in, in lieu of being able to vote her out of her position, they have voted to take her paycheck out of next year's budget. Wow. Yes. So she's so she's going to be without without a job, without money, without how's this going to go? We're, are we going to say goodbye to Wendy Peters forever? Like what? Well, she'll be removed from that position for sure. Um, she may end up in a back in the position she held before, which was as the deputy um, secretary for planning in the state of Maryland. And um, mm -hmm. if no secretary is appointed, she may end up just effectively acting as secretary. It's very unclear. Um, what what is clear is that. Um, there was maybe an attempt to get around that unfavorable vote in the first place, and the Senate does not want to allow that to happen. Um, the mm. Senate, um, the way that the amendment was written is, is very convoluted. I think you probably read it. Um, but it basically just says that somebody working as secretary or acting secretary who got an unfavorable vote by the Senate Executive Nominations Committee during the 2016 General Assembly session may not be paid. And what that doesn't say is that a deputy secretary who received an unfavorable uh -huh. vote may not be paid. So it's very unclear, you know, how things are going to kind yeah. of scooch forward at this point in time. That is also an amendment that was in the Senate version of the budget. It was not in the House version of the budget. So that is another thing where you're going to have these budget negotiators deciding how they're moving forward on that. And the budget negotiators on the operating budget are actually meeting today. So we might know soon um, where they fall on that particular issue. Oh, but we won't know for this podcast. We so will not. Sad. You'll have to read the newspaper. <laughs> read the newspaper. It, uh, Senator Bill Ferguson said he thinks in the history of the state of Maryland, they've never seen such a situation as this. That w that was his so, yeah. main thing was, you know, we, we actually don't know how to handle this. Um, we haven't yeah. uh, seen this happen before, and we don't know if it's going to happen again. Um, the interesting thing about putting it into the budget bill is that budget bills are only effective for, for the year, right? They're a budget. They're a one-year mm -hmm. budget. Um, yeah. So if this continues to be an issue, they'll have to kind of continue addressing it through a, a text amendment to the budget um, each year. Who would have thought that we could still be breaking ground after all these hundreds of years? Yep. <laughs> turning over stones that, that were never turned before. Uh, we 
We're running short on time, and I know that you're a very, very busy person. You've had a very, very long day, and that your day is not even halfway there, uh, like <laughs> Bon Jovi once said. So I want to a favorite song. I want to finish up with the most readable thing <laughs> in the Frederick News Post every week. If we had theme music, I would love to have theme music for this portion of In Session every week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Danielle E. Gaines's Political Notes column. And this week, you talked about being a leader. Fortune Magazine came out and talked about uh, John Delaney on this list. I thought this was awfully interesting considering how he shares the honors with Chance the Rapper. Chance so. the Rapper and Colin, as you know, I'm a huge Chicago Cubs fan. The number one person on That's that true. list this Theo year was Epstein. Chicago Cubs general manager, <laughs> Theo Epstein. Yay, go That's Cubs true. go. I yes. can sing you a song about that, but I won't. Um, yeah. Yes, I would like you to sing that, but go ahead. Not on this podcast. I'll sing it to you later. <laughs> Um, But this is one of those press releases that kind of lands in your inbox and you're like, is this real? But um, it was. And um, basically, uh, our congressman, Congressman John Delaney, who represents the 6th District, a big chunk of Frederick, um, he was actually named to this list by Fortune magazine as one of the 50 world's greatest leaders. Um, and wow. you mentioned, you know, some of his company, Theo Epstein, Chance the Rapper, Justin Trudeau. Everybody loves him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, Pope Francis. So uh, quite, oh. quite the company mm. that he's wound up in. Quote, being a House Democrat in a government Republicans dominate entirely sounds like a recipe for irrelevance. But one of the new administration's signature issues, rebuilding the nation's infrastructure, is a problem Delaney has focused on since he arrived in Congress four years ago, Fortune wrote. High praise. High praise for a local guy. Yeah. And so he was um, recognized for his continued push towards this infrastructure plan that he has and um, it should be noted that it has been introduced uh, frequently and it has never actually passed but maybe it could in this new Trump administration and that was kind of the point. Um, President Donald Trump has said that he intends to invest money in um, infrastructure and um, John Delaney has a bipartisan plan to invest money in infrastructure so he made the list. Not that there you go. And speaking of Donald Trump, uh, we have a poll out this week. Governor Larry Hogan uh, has a 65% approval rating down from 71%. Uh, this is kind of, uh, I, I bring up Donald Trump because, you know, Donald Trump's numbers are where they are, wherever they are. And uh, Governor Larry Hogan, a Republican in a, de- in a Democratic state and at a time when it seems like Republicans don't have necessarily favorable ratings he continues to be liked in his state of maryland absolutely and you know if you talk to democrats about this most recent poll they will talk about you know his rating went down um but it didn't go down that far uh you know governor larry hogan has a 65 percent approval rating according to the most recent washington post university of maryland poll um that Mm -hmm. is an approval rating that most politicians would want to have next to their name i would kill for it yeah yeah um it is so it is down a little it's down from you know he was at 71 percent uh in september before the general assembly session started and his approval rating is lower than his um, rating for re-election at this point in time. But mm-hmm. um, he's he's seeming to fare fairly well in these uh, polls in the post-Donald Trump um, 
election world. So, um, you know, the governor polls higher than um, just a generic Democratic candidate. We don't have any official Democratic candidates yet, but the governor polls for re-election at 41. Uh, Democrat polls for election, uh, re-election or election, sorry, at 37 percent. Um, the polls margin mm -hmm. of error is four points. So keep that in mind. But um, mm -hmm. that would put a Republican governor, you know, say that say that the margin of error goes you know, totally. Uh, but that would put a Republican governor at a 50-50 contest with a Democrat in a state where Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. Good, good for him. Uh, finally, uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> happy birthday to you and you and you. There was a sick burn, however, briefly, if, you, if you'd like to talk about this. Uh, your words, a sick burn, I should say. Yes. Uh, Not on, edited on out. Thursday. Hey. <laughs> so what what happened so i this was just too much fun not to include we've talked a little bit about congressional redistricting and the various plans that there are uh, relating to that pending the general assembly um, the maryland house ended up voting against governor hogan's plans for redistricting and the maryland senate ended up voting in favor of um, a separate plan that is the mid-atlantic compact and we've talked about that and that would group maryland with five other states so that six states would be working to move together to all pass laws that would require um, congressional districts to be drawn in a way that would make them compact and contiguous and represent like-minded groups of, not like-minded groups of people, but people who live in the same area instead of having these gerrymandered districts all throughout the states. Um, Republicans in the chamber, in the Senate chamber, really did not like this law. They did not want to wait for five other states to move forward. They felt like it was kicking the can down the road. Uh, the mm -hmm. sponsor of the bill, the Mid-Atlantic Compact bill, is Senator Zucker from Montgomery County, and it was his birthday on Thursday. Uh. And he was recognized on the floor of the Senate uh, for having celebrating for celebrating this special day. And shortly after his birthday announcement, uh, Senator Justin Reedy from Carroll County took the floor and said very simply, you know, um, for the senator who's celebrating his birthday day, his birthday today, I think that we should wait and celebrate your birthday when five other people have a birthday. So <laughs> it, it did so, attract quite quite the hearty laugh. Uh huh. Well, well, <laughs> I I'm a firm believer. It might in be birthdays. better just to replay and that. It seems like that was a little funnier than this, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I've got a birthday in less than a month. I, I'm a big believer in, in celebrating birthdays in Christmas. Are you big on celebrating things like that? Guys? Yeah, because people get older, they like don't want gifts anymore, which I've never understood. Ooh, who's that? No. I think also, <laughs> since it's Maryland Day, I should tell you that you should definitely, for your birthday, you should definitely eat some Smith Island cake. Because that's the state dessert. Oh, okay. okay. So don't mess well, around. I'll, I'll try that. I won't mess around. It's not my birthday yet. But well, I know. I'm just I'll, I'm just letting you know. And I think the state drink, yeah, the state drink is milk. That's what I thought. So have some Smith really? Island cake and some milk, and you could be very, very Marylandy on your birthday. And a black-eyed Susan. With some black-eyed Susans right. on the table, maybe, you know, a crab cake because the blue crab yeah. is the state uh. crustacean. You're really up on your Maryland knowledge. That's impressive. I'm going to write a Maryland That's story for tomorrow. And if you want to celebrate, <laughs> you could celebrate by either doing the state dance 
which is square dancing, or really? the state sport. Somewhere Terry which Headley's is, listening. Do you know what the state sport is? Lacrosse. Jousting. No. Do you know Jousting. what the state uh. team sport is? Uh, lacrosse. <laughs> yes. Good job. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Wow. And the state exercise is walking. Oh, my thought, my, my state <laughs> exercise was potato chips and beer. That's what mine is. Uh, I ask you this every week, and I know particularly today it's tough because I know that you've had a, a very long, f- impoverished day. What's the best thing you've had to eat this week, Daniel? Yes, I've not had breakfast or lunch yet today, but I am going to go have one a, a baked potato, I think. Ooh, I love baked potatoes. Yes. I love baked potatoes. Okay. Um, well... Is there anything coming up next week that you'd like to talk about, however briefly, before we go? There's a lot coming up next week. Obviously, we'll be looking at the uh, conference committee on the state capital budget to see what they do with the hotel funding. And, um, I, you know, I'm going to keep my eye out on that trust act. I think there might be some movement on that next week. And um, the breweries bills that we talked about ah. last week, those, um, yes. the, the surviving brewery bill... Um, the house version, which the breweries don't like, but that the wholesalers do, but that surviving house version is going to get its hearing in the Senate. And that hearing will be in front of the committee where the sponsor of the Senate bill sits and where Senator Ron Young, who supports the Senate bill sits. So it'll be interesting to see once they hear that house version, what amendments they make and how that comes back out to the Senate floor. Hmm. So we'll be talking about beer next week. We'll be talking about beer next week for sure. The official exercise of Maryland, which is beer, <laughs> drinking beer. Uh, how can people follow you on Twitter? It's a good follow, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at at Danielle E. Gaines. Okay. Danielle E. Gaines, not just Danielle Gaines. That's correct. Make sure you know that, everybody. Thank you so much, Danielle. We really appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. We only have a few more weeks left. We're almost there. We're so. almost there. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Danielle. All right. Bye. In Session is produced by Graham Cullen and Chris Sands. A special thanks goes to Kelsey Luce for composing our theme. Now be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you can stay current with all the developments in Annapolis this session. Join us next week when we'll discuss the week that was in the General Assembly.